The Gone Cold Podcast may contain violent or graphic subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Colorado City, Texas is located in Mitchell County, just shy of 70 miles west of Abilene. It was once known as the Mother City of West Texas, due mostly to the fact that it served as a hub for cattle shipping in the mid and late 19th century. Great numbers of cattle were herded to the area and held there in preparation to be shipped via the Texas and Pacific Railway. Many cowboys were coming into the area, and Colorado City's businesses thrived for a while, particularly saloons. The town's cattle shipping station and the Texas Ranger camp housed there until 1881 are, perhaps, the small town's biggest claim to fame. Or at least they were, until a now infamous Texas case began unfolding in Colorado City over a century later, just after Christmas in 2010, the disappearance and death of 13-year-old Haley Dunn. Haley Darlene Dunn was born on August 28, 1997, to Clint and Billie Jean Dunn. She grew up a typical small-town kid in Colorado City. She was actively involved in sports and other extracurricular activities. Haley loved school and got along well with her fellow students and teachers. She was smart, caring, charismatic, and never caused any trouble unless you were up against her on the field. Haley was quite competitive when it came to sports. By the time she was in eighth grade at Colorado City Middle School, in fact, Haley played on the volleyball, basketball, and softball teams. Her father said she'd often break windows at home as she practiced in the backyard. She could hold her own against her big brother, David, when they wrestled both emulating martial arts moves they'd picked up on TV. But as rough and tumble as she was, according to her parents, she wasn't just into sports. Haley was also on the cheerleading team and played first chair saxophone in the school band. Clint and Billie Jean had separated when Haley was 10, and in 2010, she and her brother lived with Billie Jean and her boyfriend, Sean Atkins, on Chestnut Street in the heart of Colorado City. Haley's father, Clint, lived only a short walk through a vacant field, so she'd visit his house every day. While on holiday break from school in 2010, Haley spent Christmas Day, Saturday, December 25th, at her father's home. She spent the night and most of Sunday, December 26th there, too, returning home that evening. David said Haley was playing video games in the living room as he left the house at about 9 p.m. to spend the night with a friend. Haley's mother, Billie Jean, also saw her that night, at around 10, she guessed, as well as early the following morning. Billie Jean said that as she left the home to go to work on Monday, December 27th, she peeked into Haley's bedroom, and she was sleeping safe and sound. She left for work at approximately 6.30 a.m. 
Billie Jean assumed her daughter would wake up at some point and head to her father's house. Sean Atkins had left the house about an hour earlier, at 5.30 a.m., to head to work. Billie Jean left her cell phone at home so the kids could use it. At 2 p.m. that day, a text was sent from that phone to a friend of Haley's that read, in all caps, W-Y-D, meaning, what are you doing? Haley had plans to stay the night at that friend's house, but the friend, strangely, never replied to her text. Billie Jean's boyfriend, Sean Atkins, picked Billie Jean up from work that night, telling her that he'd been fired from his job that day. Shortly after returning home, he told her, sometime around 3 p.m., Haley left the house. According to Atkins, Haley said she was going to stop at her father Clint Dunn's before going on to her friend's house to stay the night. The friend reportedly lived four to five blocks away. According to Clint and his girlfriend, though, Haley never stopped by the house that day. Though a few witnesses would claim to have seen Haley, at least one of which was later proven to be the previous day, Haley is never known to have been seen alive again. When Haley didn't return home the following day, Tuesday, December 28, 2010, Billie Jean contacted the friend her daughter was supposed to have been with the night before. The friend told her, though, that she'd never seen Haley the day before. She hadn't spent the night there. At 2 p.m., Billie Jean reported Haley missing to the Colorado City Police Department. She sent her son, Haley's brother, David, to her estranged husband's house to ask if he'd seen Haley and began looking at the homes of her daughter's friends, but there was no sign of the 13-year-old. Neither Billie Jean nor Clint believed their daughter would run away. A statewide Amber Alert was not issued as Haley's disappearance didn't meet the criteria required. Law enforcement and community volunteers, though, quickly organized search efforts, combing fields and pastures around town for any clues as to where Haley might be. Because searching meant looking for a body, Billie Jean said, she opted not to join them. Instead, she concentrated on making flyers, speaking with the press, and utilizing social media for help. Clint Dunn, too, neglected to join the search parties scouring the countryside for signs of his daughter. He stayed in town, he said, to look in streets, alleys, and dumpsters. Billie Jean's boyfriend, Sean Atkins, she later told the press, wasn't involved in the searches at all. On Wednesday, December 29, 2010, police searched the homes of both Clint Dunn and Billie Jean Dunn. Registered sex offenders living in the area were also questioned. The next day, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children became involved in the case. Law enforcement brought in bloodhounds on Friday, December 31st, in hopes to follow Haley's trail. The dogs did pick up the girl's scent, tracking her path from Billie Jean's house to Clint's house, and then to the home of the friend who Haley was supposed to have spent the night with. The bloodhounds lost Haley's scent at a nearby motel. Though tracked to that motel, 
investigators were unable to find evidence of Haley's presence there on the establishment's security cameras. Later in the evening, as Clint Dunn waited for his daughter to come home, he watched Billie Jean's house from the back porch of his own with binoculars. Clint was angered at what he says he witnessed, a drunken New Year's Eve party where they watched the ball drop. The community of Colorado City was somber and emotional the following Sunday as they held a candlelight vigil for Haley Darlene Dunn. Around 750 people attended. On Monday, January 3, 2011, after considering Haley a runaway up until that point, the Colorado City Police began referring to the case, officially, as a missing persons investigation. Along with the Mitchell County Sheriff's Department, the Colorado City Police enlisted the help of the Texas Rangers and the Federal Bureau of Investigations, and a task force was put together. Nancy Grace's coverage of Haley's disappearance on Tuesday, January 4, 2011, sent the case nationwide. Guests hammered the police for mishandling the case, specifically for treating Haley as a runaway, and it was far from the last time finger-pointing and blame would be cast, and the pressure would, perhaps, eventually be responsible for missteps and mistakes. Having set up a command center in Colorado City, which included daily reports and briefing, 12 law enforcement agencies were now deeply involved in the search for the 13-year-old girl. The Claus Kids Foundation out of California and Texas's own Laura Recovery Center for Missing Children joined the search efforts. With the help of these organizations and the efforts of law enforcement from multiple counties, Hundreds of miles of pastured and forested land were poured over by land and air. Cadaver dogs were brought in to search the areas too, including landfills in several counties, but they produced no result. Thousands of flyers were distributed throughout the immediate and surrounded areas by volunteers who met at a temporary search center that was set up at Haley's School, Colorado City Middle. The community members whose tireless and selfless efforts were so vital in spreading awareness in the case came to be known as Haley's Angels. Over 100 billboards featuring Haley's photo and description were displayed across Texas and a few other states, the reward quickly rising from $10,000 to $25,000. Unfortunately, the searches were going nowhere. It was not, however, for the lack of trying. The amount of ground to cover, even in the immediate area, was overwhelming. With no leads as to what happened to Haley, or even where to look, law enforcement shifted tactics. It was a feeding frenzy for the media, and what followed in the press resembled more a lynch mob than an impartial search for the truth of what happened to Haley. Nine days after Haley Dunn was last seen, on Wednesday, January 5, 2011, Haley's mother, Billie Jean, asked her boyfriend, Sean Atkins, to leave her home. Though Haley's disappearance was by far the most devastating blow to the couple's relationship, 
especially considering the growing suspicion of Atkins' involvement, it certainly wasn't the first sign of trouble. The couple's relationship had always been rocky. In February of 2010, according to an affidavit, police had been alerted to their home after Atkins had threatened to kill both Billie Jean and Haley. Atkins would first deny that he said it, though later he owned up to it. Billie Jean, however, later told Nancy Grace that calls to police were blown way out of proportion and that Adkins had threatened her, never Haley. She called police, she said, because she was at work and didn't want Adkins in her home while she wasn't there because of the threats. In the call, in fact, Billie Jean told the dispatcher that she didn't want property stolen, not that she thought Atkins was going to kill her. Billie Jean, anyway, says she never told police that Atkins threatened to kill Haley and is unsure why he admitted to doing so. An interesting detail of the 911 call is Billie Jean explaining to police that Atkins knew she never locked the doors and windows. Billie Jean and Adkins both agreed to submit to polygraph examinations concerning Haley's disappearance, and both, according to investigators, showed deceptive results. When Billie Jean arrived for her first attempt, she was under the influence of narcotics, investigators said, so she was dismissed. Upon the second attempt, she was told by investigators that deception was detected, but couldn't explain why and she walked out of the interrogation. According to Billie Jean, that wasn't exactly how the whole thing went down. The first go-round, she said, she was on anti-anxiety medication prescribed by her doctor, and that is why she was denied the test. The second attempt, Billie Jean said, ended after midnight, after investigators incessantly asked her for 12 hours if she knew what led to the disappearance of Haley. She left, she said, because she was exhausted. Sean Adkins twice terminated polygraph exams, according to investigators, by walking out. On the third attempt, they said, he submitted to the first stage in which he showed deception particularly concerning questions about the whereabouts of Haley, the affidavit alleged. Adkins walked out again, but not before giving them some indication, investigators claim, that Haley might be in Scurry County. When asked by investigators who they should be looking at concerning Haley's disappearance, they said, Adkins replied, both of us, meaning him and Billie Jean. After Atkins' test, Billie Jean later said, investigators prompted her to enter the room and repeatedly ask him, where's my baby? And, you failed your test. Atkins said a couple days later that he told investigators all he knew and that he walked out because it felt like a witch hunt. His attorney later alleged that the polygraph examination turned into a screaming match that was intended to elicit a false confession from his client. He said Adkins never gave them any indication that they'd find Haley in Scurry County. It also came out in the affidavit that Billie Jean and Adkins withdrew $140 in two separate withdrawals from an ATM machine 
at 6.20 p.m. on December 27th. The money, they voluntarily admitted to investigators, was to buy drugs. Several days later, on January 12, 2011, the media obtained the copy of the search warrant affidavit against Billie Jean and Adkins, which contained the police's explanation of the polygraph examinations and the events surrounding them, and the details of the domestic situation the prior February. The media blitz over what the affidavit contained was enormous and fueled intense speculation. Nancy Grace, on her program, declared the document a bombshell. Haley's father, Clint Dunn, had alleged that Billie Jean and Sean Adkins threw a New Year's party just days after their daughter vanished, and the media lit their torches on it. Billie Jean countered by saying she didn't even realize it was New Year's Eve that night, and that her aunt, uncle, their grandchild, and her two brothers came over to offer their support in her time of need. Things were heating up fast. A series of bizarre events and the strange but innocuous claims in the warrant affidavit didn't go anywhere. The day after the press obtained the document on January 13th, law enforcement named Adkins a person of interest. Adkins, who spoke little to the media, denied any involvement in Haley's disappearance, telling them that she means a lot to him and that he loves her. He did not use past tense when referring to her as a side note. Regardless of what can be considered the legitimate points, an incredibly large portion of the warrant affidavit was based on observations made by law enforcement that can be described as ridiculous in what they imply. The media, though, was elated at the chance to sensationalize the points and their accompanying egregious implications. They detailed what they referred to as Adkins' obsession with horror films and his collection of memorabilia connected to the Halloween films. He was an active contributor to an online Halloween fan site where fans of the slasher flick discuss horror-related topics. Nancy Grace jumped all over it, showing photos of Adkins taken from MySpace, wearing a creepy black mask and holding a large hunting knife, and playing a video where Adkins acts out a slasher movie scenario. It's not for everyone, but it's hardly evidence of murder. The affidavit also detailed a box found at the home that contained 278 pages of printed material regarding true crime cases taken from websites like True TV and Wikipedia, information on sociopaths and psychopaths ranging from Henry VIII to Edmund Kemper. Billie Jean told investigators that she'd printed those. Anyone who's a regular listener to this or any other true crime show, surely, realizes that this is hardly implicative of deviance. Again, though, investigators, the media, and some in the community ate it up, as they did the printed material associated with the rap group The Insane Clown Posse. I'm not even going to go there. Billie Jean and Sean Adkins both, obviously, had hobbies and interests with dark subject matter, 
And while we're making no assumptions whatsoever about either's guilt or innocence concerning Haley's disappearance, we find law enforcement's character representation of them through their interests as ignorant at best, devious at worst. Police seized Haley's bedsheets to have them forensically tested for signs of molestation or murder. Investigators confiscated several items from the 2,000-year model Chevrolet Lumina sedan that Adkins and Billie Jean shared, including two rolls of black electrical tape, a purple plastic cigarette lighter, miscellaneous papers, debris from the vehicle's trunk, and what is only described as trace evidence collected, presumably, from throughout the car. It's never been revealed whether or not these items or those seized from Billie Jean's home showed evidence of abduction, sexual assault, or murder, but because there have been no arrests, perhaps they did not. Child Protective Services removed David, Haley's brother, from Billie Jean's home pending the outcome of the investigation. In the warrant affidavit was evidence investigators had collected concerning cell phone tower data, a bit more damning than Adkins' horror movie obsession. Adkins' phone pinged a tower in the Colorado City area from 6.35 a.m. to 6.56 a.m. the day Haley disappeared, which, investigators alleged, contrasted with what he told them about his movements that day. Atkins told investigators he'd left his job at 6.10 a.m. in Snyder and headed straight to his mother's house in Big Spring. The quickest route to make this trip was to bypass Colorado City by driving the two-lane State Highway 350, though the route where he would later claim to have gone did go through Colorado City and isn't out of the question in terms of plausibility since it only adds about 10 minutes to the drive. Adkins said investigators never asked him the route he took from Snyder to Big Spring. Police also claimed, as specified in the affidavit, that Atkins deleted information from his cell phone before turning it over, a claim that Atkins denies. The affidavit also noted the fact that nothing was missing from Haley's room when she vanished. Her new iPod, some cash, her toothbrush, hairbrush, and contact solution would have been taken had she left to sleep over at a friend's, the document seems to allege, though Billie Jean later said that Haley rarely took anything when she spent the night at friends' houses or at her dad's, but would generally return home to, quote, freshen up the morning after. The affidavit stretched the truth when noting that Haley's jacket had been left behind, saying that it was extremely cold that day. While it was certainly cold enough to wear a jacket, it was hardly extremely cold. The high on December 27, 2010, was 54 degrees. Haley is said to have been wearing a t-shirt, sweatpants, and tennis shoes when she disappeared. It's unclear if they relied on Sean Adkins' word for this, which would be at the very least odd, or if it was deduced by taking an inventory of her clothing. David, Haley's big brother, told police that at 4 p.m. on December 27, 2010, he came home and the door to the house was locked. 
After pounding for five minutes without response, he said, he entered the home through a side window. As he did, David told police, he saw Sean Adkins standing in the hallway with, quote, a deer-in-the-headlights look. Adkins says that at around 3 o'clock that day, he arrived at the house, Haley was in the living room watching television, and she came into his and Billie Jean's bedroom not long after to tell him that she was going to her dad's and then to her friend's to stay the night. Haley then left the house, Atkins said. No more than an hour later, he adds, David came home with a friend and the two played video games. Billie Jean called at some point soon after, telling him that she was ready to be picked up. He picked her up from her job in Snyder at around 6 p.m., Atkins says, and the two came home and went to bed shortly thereafter. Adkins had told Billie Jean he'd been fired, and investigators said he originally told them the same, but Adkins said that he did tell investigators he quit. Police felt the lie was suspicious. Atkins says he lied to Billie Jean because he simply didn't want to admit to her he'd quit because he didn't want to argue with her. Another odd story came out in the affidavit, this time credited to Haley's uncle. Referring to Haley's disappearance, the uncle says he was speaking with Adkins and said something along the lines of, I can't believe anyone could hurt a child. According to the uncle, Adkins replied, Yeah, it's like killing a deer. The uncle told police that on previous occasions, Adkins often spoke of killing deer and cutting them up with chainsaws. Adkins responded to this allegation in two ways. First, he said he spoke with Haley's uncle, who denied ever telling investigators that. And, Adkins said, he loved animals and does not hurt them. If the uncle did give this report to police... His making a comment about hurting a child so soon after Haley's disappearance, perhaps, could be considered suspicious too, because at that point, Haley's fate wasn't known. It's unclear if he was ever scrutinized or if anyone at all besides Adkins, Billy Jean, and Clint Dunn were ever scrutinized. Clint Dunn, it should be noted, was ruled out by police very early on. Although Clint insisted that his daughter wasn't into boys, calling her a good old American girl, she was 13 years old. Investigators detailed in the affidavit that Adkins called Haley promiscuous and said she used drugs. Adkins, again, denied ever saying those particular things. He only told them, he said, that Haley was boy crazy and that she and Billie Jean had discussed birth control options before. On February 24, 2011, police announced that they uncovered almost 109,000 images of deviant sexual behavior, bestiality, and child pornography from several electronic devices taken from the homes of Billie Jean Dunn and Sean Adkins' mother. In the original affidavit, child pornography is never mentioned, only images and videos described as deviant acts and pornography. The allegations of child pornography should at the very least be taken with a grain of salt, since no charges of such have ever been brought against Adkins or Billie Jean. It's likely if something that illegal, 
that prosecutable had truly been found, arrests would have been made. It had been a great way to keep Adkins close at hand. Adkins' attorney told the press, We have never, despite numerous requests, confirmed from law enforcement that there have been any of those items discovered, and if they have been discovered, which we don't know that, they have not come from any source attributed to Sean. More than a month later, on March 17, 2011, Colorado City Police visited Billie Jean's home looking for Sean Adkins, but she told them he wasn't there. Upon entering the home with a warrant, however, officers found that Adkins was indeed there and took Billie Jean to the station for her act of deception. They did not arrest Adkins. Billie Jean's attorney said the move was done simply to put pressure on her. That tactic, like police's other efforts, proved fruitless, and at this point, perhaps, Haley's disappearance had officially gone cold. A year later, on March 20th, in an airfield in Big Spring, less than one mile from the home of Sean Adkins' mother, skeletal remains were found. Again, speculation ramped back up, as did the hope and the dread that answers were coming. The remains, however, were determined to belong to an unidentified male, and even before they were identified as such, Adkins maintained that he had nothing to do with Haley's disappearance. A few months later, just three days before Haley's 15th birthday, a vigil was held in Colorado City. Again, the case cooled. On Saturday, March 16, 2013, a hiker looking for fossils near Lake J.B. Thomas in rural Scurry County discovered bones. About 20 miles north of Colorado City, a skull and a femur were found by the hiker, who told the press that an article of clothing was also present and investigators from the FBI and the Texas Rangers searched for more remains and evidence for four days. The bones were sent to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification to undergo DNA analysis. A little over a month later, on April 26, 2013, it was announced that the remains belonged to Haley Dunn. A vigil was held in Colorado City in her memory. The jurisdiction in Haley's case now belonged to Scurry County, and the entirety of her files were transferred there. Although in 2018, Mitchell County Sheriff Patrick Toombs told the press that they've had leads come in here and there, all of which they've transferred to Scurry County District Attorney investigators. D.A. Ben Smith said, if tips have been received by law enforcement, they haven't been substantial enough that they have been passed to us. I've frankly not heard of any, whether they were credible or not, in quite some time. Law enforcement held on to Haley's remains for years, perhaps in the hope that a forensic testing breakthrough would emerge. The remains were finally released to Billie Jean in January of 2017. Part of Haley's journey is finally coming to an end. She wrote on the Facebook page, Hope for Haley Done, continuing, After six years of praying to have her home, it's finally happening. 
Haley is coming home. Haley was subsequently laid to rest just outside of Austin in a private memorial ceremony with only family in attendance. Billie Jean and Sean Adkins had moved to Austin together in 2011. The couple continued seeing each other on and off after she asked him to leave not long after Haley's disappearance until they finally broke up for the last time in 2012. Billie Jean said Adkins' guilt was pounded into her head. She told the press that law enforcement was wearing blinders. They're too focused on Sean, she said. There are places you can make Sean fit, and lots you can't. Adkins' attorney commented that his client was forced to leave the area because he couldn't find work and couldn't go anywhere in town without being confronted about Haley's then-disappearance. When Billie Jean and David left their Chestnut Street home in Colorado City, the abandoned house was quickly taken over by squatters. A memorial had been set up for Haley next to the house, a bench where folks would leave holiday decorations and stuffed animals. In 2016, both the home and the memorial were demolished. Billie Jean has gone back and forth many times concerning whether she views Adkins as a suspect in Haley's death. She's appeared numerous times on Nancy Grace, addressing the accusations made against her over the years and professing her innocence, both in involvement and in knowledge of the crime against her daughter. Clint Dunn remains convinced that Sean Adkins is responsible for his daughter's death. He believes, too, that Billie Jean knows what happened and is helping conceal the truth. Clint claims that in the days following Haley's disappearance, Billie Jean and Adkins got new furniture and repainted the entire living room, among other strange behavior and movements. Clint says that police asked him to stay out of the case, but he says he no longer can. In August of 2018, he began working with a private investigator to attempt to uncover the truth behind Haley's death. Many tips and information have come to light in 2019, he says, and all have been turned over to Scurry County investigators. The district attorney maintains that no recent evidence has been introduced to him and that while Haley's case is still active and being investigated, there are no updates. It is important to note that law enforcement has been tight-lipped about developments all along. Everything reminds me of Haley, or I'm constantly thinking, trying to figure out what happened. Clint Dunn told a reporter, adding, I'm constantly running this through my head over and over, trying to think about details. That's not easy because I'm constantly reliving this. Christmas is really hard, Billie Jean said. Haley loved decorating and getting the rest of us in the Christmas spirit, so Christmas is always really tough for me. Sean Adkins has maintained media silence for years. Before his silence, he said that investigators found in him someone to blame, and that he loves Billie Jean, Haley, and David, and would never do anything to hurt any of them. Plenty more came out in the media against Adkins, usually on Nancy Grace's show, including Clint Dunn's mother's accusations that Haley was afraid of him. 
She told Nancy Grace that her family tried desperately to remove Haley from Billie Jean's custody to get her away from Adkins. Billie Jean, however, was shocked at the revelation. She wondered why no one ever told her that Haley feared Adkins and that she was aware of no custody disputes at all until that moment on the program. Neither Clint nor his mother, she said, had ever mentioned anything about any of it. Clint's mother also claims Adkins told her he could kill someone, hide the body, and no one ever know. Adkins, though, claims he's never said more than the word hello to her. Sean Adkins is the only suspect ever identified by the police, and Billie Jean the only person who was ever arrested in connection to anything having to do with Haley's case when she was taken in for lying to police, telling them that Adkins wasn't in her home when they came looking for him, when he was. The FBI is offering a $15,000 cash reward for information leading to the arrest of the suspect responsible for Haley's murder. If you have any information about the death of Haley Darlene Dunn, please contact the Texas Rangers through the Department of Public Safety's cold case website at dps.texas.gov forward slash cold case forward slash home forward slash details forward slash 153 or by calling 800-252-8477. We'll be taking a break for a couple weeks through the holidays. We'd like to wish you all and your families a happy and safe holiday season. Reporternews.com, bigcountryhomepage.com, KTXS, EverythingLubbock.com, ABC News, True Crime Daily, CBS 7, NewsWest 9, HuffPost.com, NewYorkDailyNews.com, GoSanAngelo.com, TheRecordLive.com, The Odessa American, HLN's Nancy Grace, and court documents were used as sources for this episode. If you'd like to become a supporter of Gone Cold on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Gone Cold Podcast. There are several varying donation levels to choose from, with perks to go along with each, including ad-free listening at all levels. Donations help us cover the costs of research and production, and we can't thank y'all enough for your support. Thanks for listening, y'all.